electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Joe Kernan, in for Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, a new week, a new month, and a new rally. What's next for the trampled tech trade? Lots of alliteration. And for the reflation trade, we're going to debate uh, your next money move with our investment committee, consisting of Joe Terranova, Steve Weiss, Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private Wealth, and last but not least, Kevin O'Leary, Chairman of O'Shares ETS. Let's get a quick check on the markets uh, this hour. The Dow and S&P having their biggest gains of the year. The NASDAQ having its biggest gain since February 1st. See the Dow's up over 600 points. NASDAQ. Sharply higher, up 340. Russell, up almost 3%. There you can see the 10-year note now. It has backed off a little. We're going to talk about that uh, in just a second. But first, uh, just an interest of disclosure, like the weekend at the Super Bowl, I'm not being paid uh, for this appearance uh, on the halftime report. Uh, O'Leary, I know you don't do anything without getting paid, but little did I know you want to get paid in Bitcoin? We're not going to talk about yes. that. I got to hear from Tyler Winklevoss that it's no longer a nothing burger. Um, but we don't want this is not a Bitcoin show. So let me start with Stephen Weiss. Uh, St- there it is. Mr. Wonderful. And a nothing burger two weeks ago. What the hell happened? We can't talk about that. Let's talk to Weiss. Stephen, uh, the, the bond market threw everyone for a loop. I didn't know you've got a lot of insight about the five and seven year and what happened that it's backed off now and you think we're okay for at least a while? Well, Joe, first of all, I want you to put your seatbelt on because we move pretty fast in this show. You know, I know you're a little used to getting up earlier (laughs) and going to bed or being on the golf course about now. So hang on. Look, in terms of what happened last week, yeah, the five and seven year auction, guess what happened there? Nobody showed up. So that meant that the direct dealers had to buy a lot of the offering there. That's their agreement with the Fed, with the government. So they did that. So you saw that scare go through the market. And that's when the, the uh, tenure actually approached 1.60, going above it very slightly. So a massive sell-off in bonds. Like a bad IPO where the investment bankers got to buy the stock that doesn't go to, to customers, that's what happened this time, and guess what? Then they ease it out into the market. Everything's okay. So we're okay now. But going forward, you're going to have another auction coming up in a week. Same thing. We'll see what happens. This time it'll be the 20-year, and or the 30-year, rather, and we'll see how the market takes that. Don't forget, we've got to fund Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan, assuming that gets through the Senate, and I believe it will. And then you'll have the inflation numbers that are coming out. So we're not out of the woods. Here's how I play it. Keep some cash. The market's going to be volatile. It's going to trade along with bonds. I don't care that rates go up. I care the speed in which they rise. 
I think we've got that under control now, but still there'll be opportunities. I still like growth, nothing changed, nothing, nothing changed in the long term. We're gonna still see GDP going out a year over 7%. So look, I think it's a great environment for investing right now. All right, so that was you moving fast? That, that uh, like, like you warm? Okay, all right. Shannon, uh, you say everyone needs to take a step back. This is a return to normal. This, this is a re- okay. This is a return to normalcy. Uh, not to worry. Yeah, I think if we Look, go back, I, I don't to what think we're anything's been about- normal. It- Shannon, sorry. Go ahead, Shannon. Okay. (laughs) I was just going to say, I don't think anything has been um, more clear over the last couple of months is that this is exactly what we were looking for. When the yield curve was inverting and we were talking about entering a Japan-like deflationary spiral, if you had told everybody in the market at this point that we'd be looking out over the course of the next year and we'd have a return to cyclicals, we'd have a return to small cap, we'd have a return to inflation, all of these things, and most importantly, to economic growth that has been fueled by massive stimulus, we should be happy. I understand that, the, that investors were concerned about the pace last week, and Steve talked a little bit about the technical aspect of the auctions and, and how that affected what was happening on the yield curve. But I think if we look forward over the next year and a half or so, as you're looking to, to put your portfolio together, this is an excellent opportunity to balance the, the, the reflationary rebound that we're seeing in the next couple of quarters with companies that you want to own over the long term. We're not just in this rebound to the consumer. We're, not, we're in a longer term manufacturing rebound. We're in a return to normalcy in many parts of the environment, many parts of the economy. So you don't need to take binary risks on travel, cruise lines, for instance. You can actually sort of ease into the fact that we're entering back into a more normal environment, both from a rate perspective and inflation perspective um, and the overall economy. And I think investors need to take a step back, take a deep breath and think about positioning for the next three or four quarters and not the next 30 to 40 days where we're going to get a bunch of these Good news is bad news as it relates to the Fed scares. Hey, Joe, uh, good to see you. And and you figure this may not last, but low quality is being rewarded. And you've got a signal for when that stops, and it has to do with with crude. Can you explain that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Crude oil is bumping up against resistance at the $65 level. That's where the April of 2019 high is. That's where the October of 2019 high is when we had the attack on the Saudi oil institution. So, Joe, you are correct. This has been all about weak balance sheets, significantly outperforming strong balance sheets, S&P 500 companies. There's a gap of 10 percentage points. That's the biggest outperformance we've seen since 2009. So when does it shift back? towards quality being favored, the critical indicator for me is going to be crude oil. You had a lot of uh, investors anticipating a shift in momentum funds, which would be buying energy, buying financials and selling uh, holdings of technology and consumer discretionary. I think that's coming kind of towards the end. Um, So oil to me is the critical indicator. And one last point, Joe, listen, let's not dismiss something that happened in the last 72 hours that is really powering this market higher. I know it's the J&J vaccine that's grabbing the headlines, but did anyone think that President Biden was going to be able to get close to $1.9 trillion 
for his fiscal spending. The estimates from the investment banking community were 700, 800 billion at best, 1.9 trillion or very close to that. You know what? I think the market needs to begin to price in the next spending bill, which will be an infrastructure bill. And that'll be a trillion and a half to two trillion dollars. That's not priced into the market. Oh, OK. Wow. Uh, O'Leary, I'm sorry we waited this long. And I'm just going to point out, uh, you do like all these sites. You still like Zoom and DocuSign, Adobe, bought more Facebook. But I, this is not a Bitcoin show, but I'm just shocked that, that, you, that you switched around. What, can you just comment on that quickly and, and then we'll move on? But what, what turned you into a 3% believer, Kevin? Well, first of all, um, I would never have touched Bitcoin before because no regulator approved it as an asset class currency or storage of wealth or property, whatever you want to call it. That is changing very, very quickly. The Canadian regulator has approved ETFs, exchange traded funds, with the only holding being Bitcoin. The same thing is happening in Switzerland, Australia, New Zealand, England. I don't know when our regulator will do it because I obviously am in the ETF market and been waiting uh, and been very interested in bringing my own ETF with crypto, but we haven't done that for obvious reasons. But the key to this move is now that it has been approved, the key is what Joe just said, $1.9 trillion, basically in a helicopter, going to be dropped under this economy. I'm starting to worry about the 10-year. I think it's going to see 2% in the next few months. I believe that'll happen. And how am I going to hedge myself? Well, I'm going to take on, just like I have other fiat currencies, the Swiss franc, the euro, the British pound, I own them, and now I own Bitcoin. Normally, I have a weighting up to 5%, and I'm going past that, Joe. I'm worried that the coin that I own not be blood coin. I want to know where it came from. I'm going to mine it myself. So I'm going to finance people that want to mine. I'll pay for it. Therefore, I know it's virgin coin. On top of that, they have to be sustainable, zero carbon. I don't want to do it with somebody wasting electricity. That's why I'll invest probably in the Nordic countries or the top of Canada where it's already cold. I'm going full bore into this because I'm worried about inflation. I'm at a 3% weighting now. It's going to get bigger. I'm now a believer. And I'm taking a lot of abuse on social media because of that. But when facts change, I change. Facts change. Yeah, that's a Facts big change from a, a, a nothing burger and a piece of garbage and rolling your eyes. And now you, you say it's because of regular. We got to move on. This is not a Bitcoin show. I want to get to, uh, uh, to Mike Santoli. Rising rates have really slammed a number uh, of stocks. Let's bring in Mike Santoli. He's searching for opportunities uh, that uh, come out of this bond market storm. Mike. Yeah, Joe, and, and particularly one, the, the storm has kind of passed and things have calmed down a little on the bond side. Really building on, on some of what Joe said about how quality stocks, the large secular growth stocks, the ones that we thought the entire market was dependent on last summer. Remember that? The top five in the, in the uh, index was supposedly running the whole show. Well, since then, those stocks have done nothing. On average, they're down 11% uh, from their September 1st high or, or wherever they hit their high. And the overall market is just about back at a high. I do think you can now make the case that it's not necessarily going to be an either-or market, either big mega-cap secular growth stocks or cyclical and value stocks to the exclusion of everything else. That chart right there shows the, the high beta ETF, which is a good proxy for cyclical and value, along with the NASDAQ 100. For the first six months of that period, it was all QQQ. Since then, it's been nothing but SPHB, the high beta ETF. I think you can probably have a little bit of a give and take in this relationship. And quality has become, on a relative basis and an absolute basis, less expensive. 
massive. If you look at the Facebooks, if you look at the Microsofts, the Alphabets, they've kind of been compressed by a few P.E. points just by doing nothing and having their earnings still go up. Also, dividend growth is an interesting thing to consider because nobody's considering. Nobody really is kind of focused on the dividend and buyback story. Buyback announcements have surged. Those stocks have actually really underperformed. And as a theme, they traded a bigger discount to the overall market than they have pretty much ever. So I think all those things can can get into the mix and, and you can find things that are not necessarily just, you know, red or black growth or, uh, or, or straight, up, uh, straight up value here, because it does seem as if it's, uh, one of these days we're going to wake up and say everything looks great, fiscal stimulus, spring-loaded economy, pent-up savings, but the market already figured it out, and perhaps those, uh, those cyclicals and reopening plays have, uh, have basically priced some, some good stuff in. Yeah. And, and buy the news, not buy the, buy the rumor. What, the, J&J. We didn't know yeah. J&J was coming, but think about it, Mike. Exactly. Three, three of them now. Three of them, and they're going to be everywhere eventually within months. And I think it's just people are finally looking around and saying, you know what? This really might work. This really might work. People might get vaccinated, might not be, uh, you know, uh, contagious anymore. It'd be great. Anyway, yep. uh, thanks, Mike. Right. Thank you. Probably see you uh, earlier tomorrow. Uh, growth stocks are, are rebounding today after posting their worst week uh, since last October. But a few of the big cap the Ang stocks are still in correction territory. Apple, Amazon, and Facebook are each down more than 10% from uh, their recent record highs. And Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson saying U.S. equity indices have priced in much of the uh, economic and earnings recovery for 2021, but opportunities still lie beneath the surface, and technology should be a fertile hunting ground. Who agrees with that? Who doesn't agree with it? Uh, who wants to talk first? I'll go with you, Shannon. Yeah, I, I don't disagree um, with the view that technology can be a, a stock picker's area over the course of the next couple of years. Um, I think if we talk about the Fang M underperformance, you know, the challenge here has been that it's sort of a, a show me story for, for stocks like Apple and Amazon, particularly for Amazon with such a big year last year in the e-commerce space. How can they continue to grow on top of that over the course of the next couple of years. We actually think we have a lot of confidence in Amazon being able to do that. But when you go down into the technology sector, if you look at names like IBM and Cisco, uh, those are names that haven't necessarily kept up with the ad spend stories as I think about Alphabet and Facebook. And so I think that there are opportunities to add a few names here into your technology basket, trimming names like Microsoft and Apple, which is what we did in the fourth quarter of last year, and still be able to be levered to this expanding economic growth opportunity over the next couple of years. They're going to be winners um, amongst these sort of undervalued technology companies. And I think that investors just need to look outside of the FANG space and not necessarily get scared away from by tech Mike made a great point about this no longer being necessarily a feeling of a binary rotation. There are opportunities here within the technology sector. Uh, I was thinking about going clockwise uh, because of the delay, and it's just horrible to talk over each other. Joe, you have comments? I do. Mike mentions Sensata, ticker symbol ST Technology. That's an EV play. They bought lithium battery recently pressing up towards all-time highs. I wouldn't be afraid of it here at 60. I agree with Shannon's comments regarding you can find opportunity in technology. And if my good friend Kevin O'Leary is right, 
regarding uh, the impending inflationary environment, you are going to want to turn back and look at the quality of a balance sheet. Joe, two names that have declined significantly here recently. First of all, Akamai Technologies down nearly 10%. In addition to that, you've got Adobe down 8% as well. These are two names that I would be looking at in technology that you could define with a very strength of their balance sheet. Steve. You know, I don't think you really have to go to the fangs. Now, I own Apple. I own Microsoft, not in the fangs, obviously. I own Amazon. But where I found the best performance is the names that are under the radar that have some controversy. So I added to Corvo last week, which is selling at a big discount to the market, yet it's growing at 35% bottom line, near 30% top line. I added to Qualcomm. I didn't add Skyworks because my position there is big enough. And then there are other names. Vuzix, which I originally spoke about in the show at $3.50, it's now over 20, it's over a billion dollar market cap. The news keeps getting bigger and better. So I added to that last week in the slight sell-off. So you find these names that the market hasn't glommed onto yet, and they have the best upside because we're in that new industrial revolution, as I've mentioned, where technology, digital technology, 5G, is taking the lead. And despite what's, what the city analyst said, which was 5G's over, the most asinine statement I think I've heard in 30 years because they're 10-year cycles, and we just started the first year of it, there's so much opportunity there and so many ways to generate multiples of your capital. So I think you stay the course there and you add. And to Joe's point, don't be afraid of stocks reaching highs if they're reasonably valued. Kevin, you got more Facebook. What happened? You know, everybody should be ready for corrections in tech, but the story hasn't changed anywhere. I mean, I added to my Facebook position because it's the number one digital spend we have because of geo-locked advertising. All of our businesses are shutting down retail, not reopening stores that were marginal, and spending more on Facebook to sell direct to consumer, which means I stay long Shopify. I've increased my position in DocuSign. I have more Adobe, Zoom. These are all the companies that are not stay-at-home stocks. They are work-from-anywhere stocks. And the new America 2.0, which is going to emerge, hopefully by October, when we've got this you know, triple vaccine, vaccine situation going and we start to normalize, I still say budgets for tra business travel are going to be slashed 20 to 50 percent because these technologies now allow us to do things that we never did before with certainty. So I'm shorting the airlines because they're not getting back all the business travelers. Sorry, it ain't going to happen. But the new economy is very efficient. So, you know, it's like saying, well, if you, I can't stand the volatility of Amazon over the last 15 years. All the tech stocks are volatile. They're all buying opportunities right now. Anything that's corrected, I just stay long. And I'm a big believer. We may even overshoot 7% GDP. What I see in the underpinnings of the economy right now, it is like the 1950s. It's on fire. It just needs to get this last issue resolved with the vaccine, and we're going to move forward. We do not need $1.9 trillion. That's very inflationary. Most of it's going to be wasted, in my view. We should just pay for logistics of vaccines and pay for people who are unemployed and nothing for anything else. No more airline bailouts, please. I'm trying to short them. Stop it. We're going to talk about that uh, in a second. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to talk about value. Can the value trade uh, keep going? A number of the reopening stocks uh, all posted big gains over the past month. Shannon, uh, you own Disney. 
uh, and Las Vegas Sands. Uh, I know. Let's uh, we'll start with you again. I know Kevin owns uh, some Disney. Maybe he wants to chime in as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if we think about reopening stocks, I think I played my hand a little earlier. I'm really not also interested in the airlines, which we're going to talk about. Not as interested in hotels. Um, I feel like if you look at cruise lines, there's a lot that needs to happen in order to for those companies to return to the profit margins that they had prior to the pandemic. However, Disney has a new investor, an investor that isn't looking at necessarily just buying this stock for the dividend, a new investor that's going to benefit from the spend that they're putting in Disney+. Plus. And when we get this parks revenue, this cash flow, we could see a return to a small dividend or we could see them pouring that money back into Disney Plus, which is clearly doing well. And so I think that that's why I like Disney. I think it's an execution story for the business. Sands is a Macau story all the way. I own Baba as well. I like the Chinese reopening. I like the continuing um, expansion of, of gaming back to Macau. And I think that those are great ways to play something rather than trying to look at all of the consumers going out there and traveling and making up for the fact that business travelers, to Kevin's point, aren't coming back. That's, uh, that's sad. Right? So if they're not, but pleasure is different, right, Kevin, with Disney? Yeah, Disney is really interesting. I work for the mouse. I'm obviously on ABC for Shark Tank as I work for Comcast just like you do. And I own both stocks, but I'm, I'm very, very happy with uh, execution skills of this new management mandate. They've really delivered on subs on Disney+. Plus. They've really delivered on new slates of content. We're just waiting to open up those studios where we work. For example, Culvert City, we're not open yet. We're, we're so close to getting, the, getting all of this content shot again as soon as we can get everybody in a studio together. And we're, it's just months away as soon as we get everybody vaccinated. But Disney is, is, is a dual story. It's going to be the reopening story around the physical assets of these parks. But talk about execution skills. That's why you've had such a great run in it. They, you know, everybody was skeptical. Could they get these subs? They've blown it out of the park. Every parent has to show Frozen to their kids 50 times a week. You know that. And where do you do it? You do it as a sub. You pay Disney for that, and now you've got it. And on every platform. Great execution. I'm very happy with that. And I'm staying long, and I'm very... I don't care if they pay a dividend or make it bigger. Just please put it back into building out that platform. Let's compete with Netflix, and they will. All right, you, re you're, you say you're shorting the airlines. Kevin, United Airlines, meanwhile, uh, is ordering more 737 MAX planes uh, from Boeing, and those shares are up today. They've gained nearly 40 percent uh, over the past month, although, uh, Kevin, negative. Uh, Steve, you own yeah, yeah, let me, UAL. Let me tell you why. You let me, just, okay, you go ahead, and then we'll get to let Steve. Me okay, let me tell you why I'm shorting them. They are going to have their capacity filled with vacation travelers, the lowest margin, in some cases, unprofitable business you can imagine. In my operating companies now, for this quarter we're in, we've slashed business travel and entertainment 50%. If you want to fly somewhere for a business meeting and you work for me, you have to write a 10-page essay on my internal rate of return, return on that trip, that $5,000 trip. What do I need it for? I've given you all the tools you possibly could want to have that meeting with the Walmart buyer. You don't have to go to Bentonville anymore. These are real-time situations. We are not going to be using those aircraft for high-margin business travel or international travel. We don't need to. So those airlines are going to be selling $89 trips to Orlando, a really bad business. And there's too many of them. And the best way to reduce that and get a return, a return of over 7% 
is to consolidate through bankruptcy. They're very, very good at it. I see two of them, you know, either being merged together or just going out of business or going through bankruptcy again. And it's a horrible place. Now you have an opportunity to put a short position on. They've rallied. But the bad news is coming in Q4 when those business travelers, they're not showing up. So, Steve, you, you own jets, right? And, and you just, uh, you own UAL, bought some Boeing today. Yes, that's right. So, so I'm not going to disagree completely with what Kevin said, that I don't believe that business travel is going to come back in the way that it was and stay there. And they ride in the front of the plane. So, yes, it's higher margin business. Part of my portfolio is, look, here's where, what the market's missing. And here is the valuation. And I love it. And I'm buying it. I mentioned those stocks before. The other part, and it's a smaller part, is, okay, where's the market going? What's the market going to perceive? And what are they doing that I can get involved in? And I don't necessarily have to be fully committed to the fundamentals. And those are the airlines. And that's Boeing. So I think the momentum's still there. When you talk about value, I don't know how you can say value in Disney in the same breath when it's selling at 40 times this year's number. That's not value. So there are no value trades out there, really, except if you look at the airlines. I think you can get there on value. So if you take a look at United in particular, it's 50 bucks now versus where it was 90. Should it get to 90 again? I don't know. But you will see an amazing bump in business travel as COVID dissipates. So you'll get that bump. The market will come after it, continue to come after it as it is now. Jets, that's just more of the same play, diversifying my holdings. And Boeing, it's still beaten upon. Boeing's not the company that it was. The management's no good. That's the same as it was. But yet, you're getting orders. You picked up a bunch of orders today. You'll continue to pick up orders because that's what you're going to need to get flyers on the plane. So bottom line is, this is a trade, it's an intermediate term trade, not a week, not a couple of weeks, a little longer. And then going out of here, Kevin's right, I don't want to be there. There will be no consolidation. The government won't allow it. They're sorry they did it to this point. So forget about that. Right. Joe, you, uh, you bought Alaska Airlines last week. It, is it specific to Alaska? Or you agree with, with, uh, with, with who, Steve or Kevin or some of each? Well, first of all, I didn't want to buy it. How to buy it? Sometimes, Joe, to have a balanced diet, you have to eat spinach. And that's what buying an airline is right now, because Kevin's absolutely right. The fundamentals for buying an airline, horrible. But sometimes the technicals actually become the fundamentals. And I agree with Stephen. This is a trade. My presence in Alaska Air is a trade. Now, I look at Alaska Air and I say to myself, well, this is the one that has the best of some awful balance sheets. But what's really critical here, it goes to where we began the show. Stimulus, support, $14 billion worth of payroll support that's going to allow the airlines to kind of get through a period where that business traveler, to Kevin's point, is not going to be there. So I needed within the portfolio more industrial exposure. I wanted that exposure over maybe increasing energy exposure. And that pointed me towards the airlines, and I tried to identify the one that I thought was the best of a bad bunch, and that's Alaska. All right, Joe, thank you. Thank you, one and all. Uh, up next, we're going to get you ready for the big uh, week of earnings uh, ahead, including the trades on Zoom, Costco, uh, and Target. 
Brian Cornell on Squawk Box tomorrow. And reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. Halftime is coming back after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here's what's happening at this hour. The state of Texas is suing electricity provider Gritty Energy for passing on massive bills to customers during last month's deep freeze. Attorney General Ken Paxton is accusing the company of misleading customers about the risks associated with its wholesale pricing model. Overseas, Myanmar's ousted leader is facing a new round of charges from the country's court, which is now run by local military forces. The news sent anti-coup protesters back to the streets just one day after police killed at least 18 demonstrators. According to the UN, it was also the bloodiest day on record since protests broke out last month. Two Americans wanted for helping Nissan's former chairman, Carlos Ghosn Escape, are now in Japanese custody. Michael Taylor and his son, Peter Taylor, failed to convince U.S. authorities to block their extradition. And they are still finding unexploded German bombs in England. Thousands of people were evacuated for a controlled detonation. Some people living close to the site will have to wait before returning so that experts can check their homes for structural damage. You are now up to date. Joe Kernan, I'll send it back to you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Rahel. The Investment Committee making a lot of moves in this market. Weiss, uh, you also bought UPS and FedEx. What's your thinking there? So these stocks have done basically nothing over the near term. In fact, UPS is where it was back in September of last year. But what's happened since then? We continue to see more and more people shopping online. We continue to see these companies raising prices. So the economy getting stronger, these companies are also cyclical. So everything's in place, yet there's some of the cheapest stocks out there. Not the cheapest that I own. That's one other. We'll talk about it later. But very cheap. UPS is selling at about 12 times earnings. FedEx at about 10 times earnings. Their earnings are going to, in case of FedEx, double this year. And the market seems to have ignored these. They've moved on to others. So I think they're very attractive. I think you have significant upside in both of these companies. So that's why I took positions in them. All right. Uh, fair enough. number of big names uh, out this week, earnings, uh, even though it 
Doesn't seem like the time. Uh, we're not in the middle of earnings season, that's for sure. But Zoom kicks it off uh, today after the bell. The stock uh, rallying today, but it took a hit last month. Uh, Kevin O'Leary, you own Zoom. Is it long in the tooth or still got a ways to go, do you think? Well, the, the baggage or the overhead on the stock is this idea that it's a you know, work-from-home stock, stay-at-home stock. Uh, I think that's not the case. Zoom has become a, a global, international business tool to work from anywhere. They have, re and we continue to buy licenses from them for all my operating companies, and they've recently been after us corporately to buy into their telephone business. And so they're expanding dramatically. We're going to look at it. Uh, we're going to see if we can cut costs. My guess is we can. Uh, I'm very impressed with executional skills of management. Met them a long time ago before anybody had ever heard of, of the company, and we indexed them into one of O'Shares ETFs, OGIG, as a very small holding. It quickly became a over 5% weighting, and we had to cut it back. It exploded onto the scene, and I would suggest the way to value it is not on a multiple PE basis, just like you should have never valued Amazon that way 20 years ago. The thing I watch for in these earnings numbers is going to be sales growth because I'm already happy with the balance sheet, not worried about the company's ability to raise capital or have too much debt. That's not an issue. What will matter to me is sales growth, and I think they're going to blow the socks off this thing in terms of growth. I use that tool, as many on this of uh, the committee right now, every day, multiple times. It's the standard. They've reduced latency in audio dramatically. It can actually run a 1080p video, so we do a lot of corporate presentations with it. They are the de facto, they're the Kleenex of this space. That's what they are. And yes, I'd stay long right through earnings. All right. Uh, Target reports tomorrow, uh, Steve Weiss, and you own that. I do. I do. And look, talk about execution. Brian Cornell has been unbelievable. As you mentioned, he'll be on the show, your show tomorrow, and I'll be tuning in, as I always do. I'm a little nervous, and I'm not nervous because I'm worried about the execution, is that I don't think that there's any safety net here because the stock is literally priced for perfection. Now, they are a winner in retail. They've got plans coming out, new plans every day. Their online business is growing leaps and bounds. However, if it does fall down, I would add more to it. It's a core position, so I don't have room to add a lot, but this would not stay down for long. I wouldn't buy in front of the earnings, even though I think they'll do fine. It's just kind of risky there. So I love the company. I don't have much retail exposure. I've got this, I've got Jumia, and I've got Amazon. That's pretty much about it, direct uh, retail exposure. And there's a reason why I own this one. All right. One more, Costco, reporting later this week. Shannon, you own Costco and have been adding uh, to that position. Why? We added to it in about, a, about a week and a half ago. Um, just feel like the, the consumer, you know, high-end consumer base that they have, the subscription model, their rising international presence. I, I wouldn't disagree with anybody that says this stock is not cheap. Um, given the type of stock that it is. But we don't own a lot of big box retail. I just feel like this is a differentiated story. Um, and we think that it can continue to do well even when the economy normalizes. All right. We're going to move to a break. Then we're going to come back. A lot more uh, still coming up next. The big ETFs to watch today. Uh, and as we head to break, here's a look at uh, the S&P sector heat map. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, 
Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Hello all, Bob Pisani here. Welcome to the ETF Edge portion of Halftime Report. Spring is coming with the vaccine becoming more widely available. More people will be going back to the office and shopping in malls. What's the outlook for real estate? Let's talk to men who know, the two guys who know. Michael Arone is the chief investment strategist for the Spider ETFs at State Street Global Advisor. He runs the real estate select ETF over there. That's XLRE is the symbol. Leighton Spar is the president of Alps Advisor, runs the Alps Active REIT ETF, symbol REIT. Just started trading on Friday. Michael, rising rates are causing some worry for stocks. How does that affect the REIT market? And how quickly do you think people will be returning to all those empty offices? Bob, it's really interesting. Typically, higher interest rates are a headwind for REITs as folks can get more reliable income elsewhere. But interestingly enough, prior to today, REITs were actually beating the S&P. We've had more than 1.5 billion come into real estate ETFs so far this year. Two things are driving it. Um, excitement about the reopening of the economy. So folks are expecting to go to malls and get back to the office as the economy reopens. So we see that in this rotation, even in REITs, just like we're seeing in broader markets. So digital, digital realty trust was a big winner last year. It does data, data centers. Since October, Simon Property Group, the retail, the largest U.S. mall operator, is up 80%. So even in REITs, you're seeing that rotation. Quickly, the second thing is inflation. So values of rental property, rents, and the value of real estate increases as prices increase. And this provides reliable income above inflation. Right now, more than double both the S&P dividend yield and 10-year treasury yields. That's attractive. So I get reliable income and access to the reopening. Okay, Leighton, your read is actively managed. Now, what parts of the real estate business do you believe will be delivering best returns in 2021? Is it malls, offices, or more obscure areas like cell towers, for example? Yeah, we like the reopening move that we have towards... Um, which is a more value-oriented. But as we get, you know, job back with recovery and start to see the labor migration from the coast, we think, to the second-tier cities, we think there's there's an opportunity in office space. Um, storage, whenever you have job growth and you have people moving around, storage is a great place to be. And the last place that we'd really highlight is the industrial REITs. So, you know, obviously, last year, the flow of omnichannel retail was a huge theme. Um, the, nest, the, the needed infill base and, you know, the okay. are all themes that globally play into the overall industrial REIT space. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Much more on the impact of higher rates and the spring outlook for real estate investing coming up 1 p.m. Eastern time. Michael and Layton joined by Todd Rosenbluth from CFRA, ETFedge.cnbc.com. Halftime returns right after this. Well, there you can see the industrials uh, up about 2%. Welcome back to the halftime report. A big rally set to begin the month. NASDAQ strong. Let's get to Rahel Solomon tracking the analyst calls out today. You 
I guess if I want to see you, I got to do a later show. Uh, you're just not getting up early enough to come on Squawk Box, are you? Or, or can we talk you into well, it? Well, my day started 1030 these days. Is that early enough for you, Joe? 1030 is not that bad. <laughs> not bad. Well, you yes, we do have quite a few. Stay up a little later. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, let's start with Morgan Stanley Joe initiating coverage of Boston beer with an overweight rating and a $1,400 price target. Firm sees the U.S. hard seltzer category reaching $20 billion by 2025. The note also arguing that it's a growth story that's not reflected in the stock price, even though it is up nearly 200% in the last 12 months. Chip player Cree is getting a street high price target of $140 a share as B of A initiates coverage with the buy. The firm sees the company as the leader in specialty semiconductor materials for electric vehicles and also building out 5G. Truist is upgrading Wayfair to buy from hold. Price target here is raised to 370 from 315. Truist sees the company emerging as a leader in the home category. Wayfair, of course, one of the pandemic plays. It's up 1300% from the March 2020 lows. DraftKings, Joe, maybe this will get your attention, goes to 105 at Loop Capital. That's a street high. Note pointing out that the new outlook is higher than estimates and expects further legalization this year. Stock, by the way, trading at all-time highs, up right now about 9.5%. And KBW is raising its price target on Berkshire's Class A shares to 430000 from 400000 Says that current valuation does price in macro uncertainties, but it's raising the target on updated estimates and peer multiples. Joe. Do you like Western Kentucky uh, against uh, Florida International? I got that at, at one. It starts right after the show. In fact, Rahel, you know, it's funny, DraftKings. I don't so think the button send money, the money, the money, send money out. I've never tried that. I don't even think they have one. I think it's just there like for like decoration. It's just money goes in. It never. Okay. Anyway, that's my problem. I, we don't, I don't we don't need you, everyone you, to know that. To, Thank okay. you. We're, <laughs> no, sure. no, it doesn't. One one way street. The investment committee is answering your questions. First up, a video question for Kevin O'Leary on Alibaba. Hi, this is Robert from Canada. After all the motion we had with Jack Ma, could you tell me what to do with Baba? Thanks. You stay long, Baba, and here's why. If you believe in the digitization of the economy and more people shopping from anywhere and having their products delivered as opposed to the hassle of going through retail, which is a global trend. Alibaba is a must hold. It's a core holding for me. I've hold it right through the Jock Ma saga. The government there obviously works a little differently uh, than our own. Um, and they just wanted to shake his tree a little bit and they did a good job doing that. He's back on in line. He's, he exists. He's out there. And it really has nothing to do with the stock. The trend of growth continues. Stay long, Baba. Very good. Next, uh, Peter is asking Steve Weiss, this is Peter talking, why isn't the market rewarding Moderna's earnings expectations, Steve? Well, sometimes the market's inefficient. Let me describe this company to you. It's going to earn $30 this year in 2021. It's going to have $15 billion in cash. It invented a new technology that could potentially clear cure cancer. It's got another drug coming out, vaccine rather, the end of this year or first quarter of next year, two to five billion dollar market for birth defects, no competing drug on the market or vaccine. It's got a, a pipeline of going to 31 therapeutics and vaccines. 
It's the cheapest stock I own at five times earnings, and the market's inefficient because only eight analysts follow it, whereas 23 follow Gilead, which hasn't done anything in half a decade. So sometimes the market's wrong. I mentioned that earlier. This one you got to buy. You have very few chances to buy a company <laughs> that are as revolutionary as this. Think of it as a technology company. Right, right. I hear you. The, the platform, the, that's proof of concept, this vaccine. That's not where, where the money might be from. You're right. The messenger RNA platform might, might do a lot of other things. You're right. Uh, more trades ahead uh, on Halftime Report. And before uh, the break, a check on some of the stocks hitting new highs today. Uh, Live Nation, Darden Restaurants, and Deer. We're coming back in two minutes. All right, time for the futures outlook. Crude is on the move today, up nearly 15% in the last month. Let's bring in Scott Nations uh, with the trade. Hey, Scott. Hi, Joe. You're right. It's up a bunch last month, but it got killed on Friday. It's down another three quarters of 1% today. Why is that? It's because of the OPEC plus meeting that we have later this week. The only reason crude oil is above 60 is because discipline on the part of producers. But they got to be looking at this price and say, give me a little bit of that. I want to take advantage of that. So I expect them to loosen up production that means I want to be shorting crude oil here specifically. I'd like to short the April contract at $62 even. It was a little bit closer to that level when I put this trade together. It's getting away from us a little bit. But that's the level I like. Once I'm short, my target $60.75 and my stop. We're always going to trade these with a stop. $62.50. At those levels, we're risking $500 to make $1,250. All right. Sounds pretty good, Scott. Uh, thank you. We'll keep an eye on that. Final trades next on half. All right, let's get uh, final trades. Got to go fast here, Joe. You're first. Buy Morgan Stanley. <laughs> that's, that's really good. Steve Weiss, yours? Kernan convinced me. Moderna, buy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just, just uh, following you, uh, Steve. Kevin. In front of the earnings, Zoom, the absolute standard in what this massive video conferencing has become. All right, I like it, Shannon. Charles Schwab, we like financials over energy here. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. <laughs> 